Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. On today's episode, I'd like to examine a passage of Scripture in Hebrews uh, that many times is pushed as a reason why people can lose their salvation. Uh, just yesterday, I sat down with a young man, and uh, he believes salvation is by faith alone. You cannot work for it. Uh, he recently came to that understanding uh, back in December, accepted Christ as a Savior. Uh, but through some YouTube uh, preachers, through some friends and different people that are speaking into his life, uh, they begin to tell him that you can lose your salvation, that you can sin to the point of unbelief, and that you can lose it. And so one of the first verses that they had given him that he wanted to examine together was Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And so I know we did a episode maybe a month or so back on why you cannot lose your salvation or really answering the question, can you lose it? But we established the truth from Scripture that you cannot lose your salvation. So I'm just going to give you quickly what we said there to establish our basis before we examine this passage here in the book of Hebrews. I would say just from my experience, uh, and I don't know if it's just in relation to where you're at, but as I deal with college students, as I deal with believers as a whole, many times I find people that think that you can lose it, that you know you have to work to get it, and if you have to work to get it, uh, there's one perspective there that if then if you don't do enough work to keep it, then you can lose it. Other people think, okay, it is by grace, but that you can lose it based on certain sins and so forth. And so what we established in our previous episode was one, that salvation is a gift from God. As a result of it being a gift, uh, it cannot be earned. And a gift cannot be taken back, or else it would cease to be a gift. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is the gift? It is eternal life. And so a gift cannot be earned. A gift cannot be taken back. We also learn in Ephesians chapter 1 that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. And so we understand the moment of salvation, a believer is given the Holy Spirit. They are sealed. This seal cannot be broken. Uh, it is a seal until a certain point in time, and that is until the day of redemption, until Jesus returns. And so the seal is the Holy Spirit is a permanent seal. Also, at that moment, a believer is adopted into the family of God. And we understand adoption is a permanent decision. And not only that, it's a permanent position. It's not that, okay, you lie and you do this and God kicks you out of his family. Scripture says nothing about that. We understand we're sealed, we're adopted into the family family of God, and that is permanent. Scripture does not say anywhere about anything we would do to be kicked out of God's family, to be disowned by God, but then also to be received back in. And then we would say salvation is eternal. We understand that eternal life is a present possession. John 3.36 tells us that, that uh, when we believe on Jesus Christ, we have eternal life now. It's not something we're waiting for. It's not something we get when we die. We have eternal life now as a present possession, and eternal life is what? It is eternal life. 
It's not two years worth of life. It's not two weeks. It's not until you sin. If it is eternal life, it has to be eternally. And if you possess it now because you believe in Jesus Christ, you cannot lose it or else it would not be eternal life. And on the end of that, a believer can know that they possess salvation. 1 John 5, 13, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And we can know that. And if we can know that, then we would also need to know that we don't have it. But the Bible speaks nothing about this. I just want to establish that as a quick foundation before we look into Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 through 6. Let me read these three verses here and so you can get the context of them. It says this, for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away. To renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and to put him to an open shame. Now, this was not the only verse that he wanted to walk through. We looked at numerous other verses, but this was the first. This is kind of that forefront verse that people will bring up about the fact, or excuse me, it's not the fact, about their teaching, if you will, uh, that you can lose your salvation. And so as we think about this, I want to give you just a few thoughts. One is this. This is a very difficult passage to understand. We have to take the context of the passage, but when you read commentaries and you read after people, it is a difficult passage to truly understand what the writer means here. Does it mean we cannot understand? No, it does not. But one thing we must do is we must use the obvious to interpret the obscure. That is very important, and you can get in a lot of trouble if you flip this around the other way, and that's how a lot of unbiblical teachings come forth. What do I mean? You must take the obvious, what we clearly understand, what we know. Hey, we know what this means. We understand uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We understand that clearly. We understand for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These are clear passages of scripture that we can understand. And we see throughout scripture how God is calling a lost mankind back to himself through Jesus Christ. Twice in scripture, the, the eternal life is referred to as a gift. And we understand if it's a gift, it can't be earned, but it also cannot be taken back. This is the obvious. Now here we do have an obscure passage. You know, exactly what does this mean? Uh, we'll, we'll look at it here and we'll kind of break it down. Uh, but you cannot use the obscure to interpret the obvious. And many times that's where these false teachings come from. You can find two, three, four passages, and you say, okay, this is teaching this, but neglect of the whole. And when you talk to people as this young man is trying to go back and uh, trying to answer questions about these verses and trying to ask them questions, um, you you got to watch out and remember, take the whole of Scripture, and that's why it's important we know the whole of Scripture, uh, and we weigh that against verses or passages that we have a hard time with. And sometimes it takes maturity, sometimes it takes growth to understand these passages. And so as we go down in here, we can look at this passage a couple different ways. One, it could be a hypothetical situation that the writer is setting up here. We do notice there is a change in the pronouns uh, as it goes down in the, in the situation here. So here's what Here's what the verse is saying. If they shall, I'm sorry, let me back up. For it is impossible. So something's impossible to happen here. For those who were once enlightened 
and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the word to come. So this sounds like a saved person, right? If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And so if we go... Uh, Further up, we see this, and this is the difference why I would say this is possibly a hypothetical situation he's setting up. If you go to uh, verse number one, remember the context is vital. If you just take a, a passage of scripture, a one verse, and you pull it out of the context, you can make it say anything you want to. But as we look at the context here, the writer says, "Is therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us, notice the word us, go on unto perfection. All right, verse number two, he goes on, and I'm sorry, verse number three, he says, this will we do if God permit. But then he goes in and says this, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of order to come if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. See the transition from us to they and then it goes down further as you go past that, and it comes back to using the same uh, type of pronouns. And so it could be a hypothetical situation here that he's setting up uh, to enforce the impossibility of a believer losing their salvation, actually teaching the opposite of what they're saying here. Um, and, and honestly, if you follow this passage through to its conclusion... What it's saying here in verse number six, if they do this, so if a person were, and I'm saying hypothetically, if they were to be able to lose their salvation, it is impossible to do this, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and to put him to an open shame. So what they're teaching here is if you lose it, you can never get it back if you follow this passage to its logical conclusion. Now, but they would say you can lose it, but you can get it back. But that's not what this passage is saying. It's impossible is what verse number four says. It is impossible for those that have done this, whatever this is, to renew them again unto repentance. And so what he's saying here, whether it's hypothetical, whether it is saying something different, like I said, it's a very hard passage. But what it is saying here that we do know that it's impossible. And what I think it actually teaches the exact opposite. You cannot lose your salvation because it would be impossible. As the writer's saying, look, if you think you could lose your salvation, this is what would have to happen. You would have to crucify Christ again. And to put him to death again. And then if you got it back, then you would receive him again. As you lost it, you have to crucify him again in order to get your salvation back. And he's saying, that's not how it works. Jesus Christ was crucified once. He arose one time. And if you think you can lose your salvation and get it back and lose your salvation and get it back, what you're doing is you're crucifying to yourself the Son of God afresh and putting him to an open shame. One other thing I would say as you maybe even break away from this passage and some other passages that they would uh, bring up, and sometimes many times linked together with this teaching, is the idea of sinless perfection. That you and I, uh, we if we sin, we're going to sin into unbelief. We're going to lose our salvation. Uh, we need to strive to be like Christ, which is 100% sure. Uh, but we can never achieve sinless perfection. And some people would say, well, that's just a cop-out. But we cannot. Why? Because we have the flesh. Romans 7, Paul talks about it. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. What is that? That's the internal conflict that you experience every single day of your life. 
as a lady, as a man, as a husband, as a wife, as a, uh, a student in class, you and I experience that internal struggle every single day of our lives. Now, we can strive to be like Jesus, yes, but we can never obtain sinless perfection. First John even talks about that. First uh, John chapter 1 and verse number 8, he says this, uh, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Who's speaking here? Christians. That's who John's writing to. If we, as Christians, say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Watch this. If we say that we've not sinned, we make who? Him a liar. Make who a liar? God. And his word is not in us. But some people would say, well, what about 1 John 3, 5? And it says... uh, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin, kind of leading to that idea of sinless perfection. Whosoever abideth in him, watch this, sinneth not. And whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So that's kind of the idea we should achieve sinless perfections. How do we interpret this passage in the same book? We have to interpret it in light of what we can clearly understand. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves, and the truth's not in you. If you say you have not sinned, you make him a liar. And his word is not in us. And I think one thing we have to go back to as we kind of close out here, um, it's very difficult sometimes to to talk to people. And some people are open. Some people are not. Some people are trying to persuade you and you're trying to persuade them. I think the big thing is if I'm going to have a conversation with someone, just like this young man uh, yesterday, we have to both be willing to pursue the truth together. If he or she is unwilling to pursue the truth together, meaning they're not open to what the Bible says and what truth says, and they're just, they have their idea what they think, then I'm wasting my time. Now, I'm going to stand up for what I believe is true, and we always have to use scripture. It can't be what Kyle thinks. It can't be what you believe or what you think. It has to be what scripture says. So when they say, well, I believe this verse, And I believe this verse teaches this, but I see and understand the whole of Scripture teaches this. And I see this verse could possibly say that, but in light of all of Scripture, it can't say that. And that's what we have to remember, is to see the whole context of Scripture. And I think this, a couple things you can think about, if you can lose your salvation, I think a great question to ask that person that's trying to teach that is, exactly what sin is it that it takes for me to lose my salvation? Is it lying two times? Is it adultery one time? Is it murder once? What sin is it? Because they like to say you can sin unto unbelief, but there's like this gray area. It's not a specific sin. It's not a specific amount of sin. Like when do you get to the point there has to be a defining line in the sand? God, if God is love and God is just and God is so clear in Scripture, think about this. He's so clear in Scripture on what it takes to uh, receive the free gift of salvation. He tells us we're sinners. He tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he committed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He tells us that whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. That is throughout all Scripture. And a person that believes on him possesses eternal life. Now, if God is love and God is just and he makes it that clear to you and I, do you not think that he would make it just that clear if we could lose our salvation? Meaning, do you not think the writers of Scripture and God himself would have said, look, this is how you get salvation, but if you do this specific thing or things, you will lose your salvation. Not one or two obscure passages that we go, hmm, scratch our head a little bit, but God would be very clear with it. 
because salvation is so important. And the Bible tells us God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish. So if that's truth in Scripture and God does not desire anybody to perish, why would it be such a gray area, and why would I not know what sin it takes for me to lose my salvation? That would put a dark blot on God's character. And that's why I come back to where we started at the very beginning, that you cannot lose your salvation. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, I can be honest, it's a hard passage to, to fully understand. Now, when you look at commentaries, there's about two different ways people look at it outside of uh, looking at it, you can lose your salvation. Uh, but I think it sets up a hypothetical situation and it actually teaches that you don't lose your salvation. But even if a person is using that verse, then you can never be saved again. And so as we look at Scripture, we want to keep it there, right? And so I hope that's been a help to you. I know it's kind of hard to, to, to talk through some of this. And you've got an episode about a month ago that dealt with you uh, answering the question, really, can you lose your salvation? But as we go through these things, I'm just trying to help us to know what we believe and why we believe it. That's the emphasis we have uh, for this year. So we'll continue answering questions. And I ask you this, listeners, if you have a question, I don't know everything. Uh, but I am willing to walk through and to find the answers, just like the students that, that we deal with in college ministry are constantly asking questions. I'm willing to look into Scripture and to pursue the answer to that question. So shoot us an email. You can reach us at connect at cfccampusministry.com. That's connect at cfccampusministry.com. Let us know any questions you may have, a topic, anything that we can look at this upcoming year as we look at examining and knowing what we believe and why we believe it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.